The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We are live on the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Drew Silva. With me here is Chris Crawford. It is the morning of April 1st. Is that right? Hey, yeah. <laughs> April Fool's Day. Yeah. Um, the third official day of the, of the 2023 Major League Baseball season and accordingly the 2023 fantasy baseball season. Um, I don't know about you, Chris. I don't know if you had any April Fool's jokes, plans, but um, I'm very glad to have spring training fully behind us with <sighs> you know, many weeks and months of meaningful games ahead. Like doing fantasy drafts is fun. Prepping mm-hmm. for drafts is fun. It's like what we do. But the spring training news flow just gets a little tiring after a while. And I like to get into the flow of the season and reacting to real things instead of just like injuries and where this guy might play and Mm -hmm. camp battles that don't pan out or whatever. So we had a full slate Thursday. Thankfully, no rainouts. That was opening day for every team. Got them all in. Then a very small slate on Friday. I'll never understand why we didn't get a day game, uh, but whatever. Plenty of those to come. what are some of the big stories to you coming out of that Thursday, Friday swing? I, I will say this, and, and then you can talk for a little bit. Uh, but the average time of nine inning games so far, two hours, 43 minutes. And then also there have been 31 stolen bases and only four caught stealings. So, wow. you know, the rules changes have had their intended effect so far. Yep, it has been exactly my buddy RJ Anderson texted me some stats after the first games while I was driving home from doing a radio thing. And he said, Manford wins. And <laughs> he was right. This is exactly what he wants. And the time of game and the pace of play has been very noticeably different for the better or worse. And I will say uh, the one thing I have noticed on this April 1st is that I'm still verified on Twitter. Wow. What a, what a, what a great moment so far. I don't want to be verified anymore. I, <laughs> I'm good with it too. I just want, I want it all to go away. Yeah. Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. But let's yeah, not talk, it, let's, yeah, let's not talk about that. But yeah, I think that it's been really interesting to see, especially that stolen base number, because I think the stolen base is the most exciting play in baseball and being able to see how aggressive teams have been. And like 31 out of 35, I saw last night, one of those stolen bases, almost have a caught stealing and it was a horrific call that actually got overturned. I've noticed replays have been much faster so far. A few that have taken a little bit longer than they should have. 
this is going fast. It's going to be an adjustment, I think, for all of us. But this is what Manfred wants, and this is what Manfred got. Yeah, I like it. I'm. We've talked about when you go to a game, you kind of don't mind if it's a four-hour event, especially if sure. the, the weather's nice, you're having some beers, eating some peanuts. Like, I, I'll stay there for hours and hours. Um, but when you're at – and, that, you know, you and I are huge baseball fans, so we don't yeah. mind if, you know. Sure. I, I don't I, – I don't – I, I kind of miss the 20 inning extra inning games, you know, those were kind of mm-hmm. fun because they just got so weird. Sure. Um, I like weird baseball. Uh, but I think for the casual fan and like bringing people into the game, I've, I've talked to people who are really excited to, to watch more baseball this year. I mean, that's anecdotal, but I, I think man, it, this, these rules changes weren't directed at us. They were directed no. at casual fans that they want to bring in or bring back to the game. Um, I know that COVID situation and like the regional sports networks, it, it's kind of messed with people's fandom a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you're putting a more exciting product out there on the field. And then yeah, with, with steals, you know, we've been writing about fantasy baseball for at least a decade, you and I, and mm-hmm. steals have been going down and it, it's hard to find like late speed and drafts. And that's not going to be a problem anymore. Um, I, I, I want to go back and like, alter my draft strategy a bit. I wasn't sure how these big bases and the pitch clock would affect steals as much as some people were saying it would. Um, the evidence so far is that it is going to have a huge effect, um, but we're going to do that next week. We're going to do Sounds some good. some way too early draft day regrets. Let's hit on some, some headlines. I, Wilson Contreras, uh, that this was on Thursday, left the Cardinals opener against the Blue Jays after taking a Jordan Hicks fastball 103 miles per hour directly to his right knee kind of hit him in a spot just above where his padding sort of tapers off on that catcher's gear. Um, We should know more by the time people are hearing this podcast. If they're, if they're listening in in audio form ahead of the Cardinals Mm -hmm. late afternoon game on Saturday against Toronto, Uh, but an MRI was negative for any fracture. So that's some good early news for now. Contreras is listed as day to day with a contusion, I do wonder if we might see an IL stint here anyway, though, um, because that swelling and bruising, I'm sure, is still going to be there for a couple more days. And it would only have to be a 10-day stint. It can be backdated to Friday. So he'd only have to miss like just over a week. Um, or maybe he's going to feel well enough to to DH in a few days. Uh, but even that or like an IL stint, of course, would really expose a problem that I had as a Cardinals fan with the decision not to bring in a solid solid veteran backup catcher over the off season. Like Andrew Kisner just hasn't done anything at the MLB no. level. Hasn't done any, anything, but be pretty bad. Um, yeah. And I, you knew that Contreras wasn't going to be a 130 game type of catcher. Anyway, there's some durability issues there and he just, he doesn't always play behind the plate. He can play some first base. He can cycle in at DH. Um, that kind of should have been the plan to spell goal, Paul Goldschmidt here and there. And, and to cycle into that DH mix. And um, I don't know if, if we, maybe I'm, maybe it's going to be Ivan Herrera who like assumes that role eventually, like to be an active backup behind Contreras. Um, and if we do see an IL stint for Contreras or some kind of extended absence, I wonder if Herrera gets the call to be the main guy. And then Kisner will just stay in that backup role. Not that I think that Herrera is going to offer like immediate fantasy relevance, but it, it's sure. such a drastic tumble from, what Contreras brings offensively to the next best option. And and that could be a big issue for the Cardinals lineup, a big issue for fantasy managers who have Contreras there 
in their catcher spot. Like not many fantasy managers are carrying two catchers in a one catcher league. I, I would never advise that. No. Um, looking at the waiver wire, like Jonah Heim might be out there. He had a couple of RBIs in the Rangers opener. Travis Darno maybe. Um, he had mm. a four hit game out of the DH spot Thursday for Atlanta. He won't catch much with Sean Murphy coming aboard, but Darno should be an option at DH, especially against left-handers. I think he'll he'll be in the lineup against every left-hander. Um, they're still going to use him, and we'll just see on Contreras. He had trouble walking off the field, but you know that could have just been an initial stinger of pain there on the knee. Yeah, it's it's definitely a situation to monitor, and it's good news that it does at least appear to be that they avoided a long-term injury because the MRI came back clean. But <laughs> this is the thing, like, and you can't help but note, like, the guy who was brought in to replace one of the most popular players in baseball and Yanni Molina has to exit the very first game he plays. And that's just such a bummer for him because I'm sure there are, you know, a guy who didn't necessarily maybe want to leave the Cubs there. I think that there was enough optimism. It's one of the reasons why they didn't deal him at the deadline, but I, I just can't help but note that from the, from the real life perspective. But yeah, I will say this. If Andrew Kisner is the everyday catcher, it, his fantasy well, relevance stays the exact same. That's the exact same fantasy relevance, and it is none. The, the one thing I'll say, Kisner has always shown a really solid approach at the plate. Like, the see, it's a 291 on base percentage compared to a 204 average. Maybe someone to consider as a second catcher in, like, an on-base percentage league. Like, because it might be okay. I just don't think it's going to add up enough for him to actually be relevant. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Drew, is a catcher who just signed, and that is Gary Sanchez. And maybe he could be a replacement. Probably not. Uh, I f- was a huge fan of Gary Sanchez a few years ago, as everybody was as a prospect. Certainly showed flashes of brilliance. Looked like he might be the next best thing. But he's just struggled so much at the plate ever since. He was not good with Minnesota. He's actually probably a better defensive player now than an offensive player, which is a very funny thing to see because it was like, well, this guy is always going to hit, but is he going to be good enough to stay behind the plate? Mm. Now it's kind of the opposite. Is is he going to hit enough to actually be worth putting in the lineup? But I do think it's an interesting signing for the Giants and one that could make him relevant in two catcher leagues because it kind of this signing kind of tells me that the Giants don't love their catching situation because Joey Bart has been a pretty big disappointment. Um, They do have Blake Sable, who's a fascinating story and uh, I think is going to get some playing time. Um, There are some other options there as well, but I don't think you're signing Gary Sanchez if you're perfectly happy with what you've got going on behind the plate. And I don't think they're bringing him in as to be a DH type of guy. I think at the very least, it's a situation worth monitoring for those evil human beings that play in two catcher leagues, because if you're a starting catcher, all of a sudden things start to change. Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty glaring that Joey Bart did not start on opening day. Roberto Perez got the nod and and Sable was in left field, too. Um, So I I think he's going to be rotating in. There's there's a lot of bodies there, Um, but it's it's the Giants and they don't like necessarily have an answer at DH like Jack Peterson will probably be there a lot, but he's going to play the outfield as well. So maybe Sanchez gets some work there. I I think you're right. They're, they're not, they're, they're not believing in Joey Bart at this point. And I I wanted to believe in him because, you know, a high pick and sure he, 
lit it, lit it up at certain points in the upper minors, but he is just mm-hmm. he's had opportunities to thrive, you know, at the major league level, and he has not thrived. Um, yeah. So I, it it almost feels like they're they're turning the page on that, or just you know maybe he's like a trade candidate at some point. We've talked about how that that Giants roster is just kind of confusing. I I, I wouldn't so I wouldn't confusing. go out and pick up. Yeah, I wouldn't go out and pick up Sanchez in a fan. It's like a standard league right now. No. I'd, I'd let that play out a bit. I, I wouldn't worry about like missing out on what happens there if if he goes off and starts hitting homers again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd let someone else deal with that problem. Sure. Uh, Jesus Lazardo hmm. uh, versus the Mets on Friday night in Miami. Again, it was a smaller slate on Friday, but I did watch that whole game, his whole outing. It was really good stuff. And yeah. also those Marlins teal throwbacks are, are glorious. Oh. Um, Beautiful. I've I've always loved the the F hat with the Marlin sweeping through. I really think that was like one of the best regularly regularly worn hats in baseball when it was a regular part of of their uniform and like not just for nostalgia purposes. I think there's a lot of like '90s nostalgia going on right now. But sure. I think that black the black hat with the teal or with the like the silver F and the teal Marlin coming through. I think that's like a truly classic look. Yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, about, about Luzardo, uh, went five and two thirds scoreless innings, only allowed two hits. He did walk four, but struck out five. I thought his command was better than the four walks would show there. I, I, he was kind of just missing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, topped out at ninety nine miles per hour, was hit ninety seven in the sixth inning just before he got pulled. He threw sixteen different pitches over ninety eight, which is the second most in a game in his career. Uh, the changeup and slider were working too. He was getting those over the plate. Uh, got the win at home against a strong Mets lineup. He gets the mm-hmm. Twins at home next if if the Marlins can or uh, stay on schedule. Um, so I don't know. After all those stops and starts in the early portion of of his career, the injuries, the moves to different organizations, I, I feel like we might have finally Lazardo like moving into like budding ace territory. Um, he's only 25 years old. He has all the tools. We've known that since he was 20 years old, um, showed improved command last year while reaching hundred innings for the first time. Hopefully that command stuff can carry over into 2023. Um, it's always that, that last step for a pitcher, isn't it? With when we see these great raw arsenals, but the walks just have to stop. Uh, Lazardo's average draft position was around 150, 160 this spring. That was about the 46th starting pitcher off the board um, in in at in the average draft. I loved that value, uh, as I said on one of our category preview shows. I don't know if it was strikeouts or ERA. I can't remember, but I like him in yeah. both of those categories this season. I'm very smart. Yeah, you're very smart. It is. It was really impressive. I think everybody got to watch that game because we were all craving baseball. No day baseball on the Friday of I just can't even fathom that decision but he looked really good touched 99.3 miles per hour which definitely was a wow shot to me because you know he's been in the up to mid 90s but at like 99.3 is very still this day still get wowed by the 99 mile per hour fastball I thought he was really impressive and I agree he was just a little bit off it's kind of funny the guy I want to talk about also threw 51 of 91 pitches for strikes but did not look nearly as good as Hazel Cesardo. Uh Robbie Rice stunk last night, and it was a game that I watched as a, as a Mariner fan pretty closely. And I was excited for it because he looked great this spring. It was one of his best spring trainings. He was touching 97 with his fastball, had like a 1.06 ERA, and was just missing bats like crazy. He did have three strikeouts in three and a third innings, but he allowed five runs, three of them earned. 
did get hurt by some defense, was reminded that Teoscar Hernandez is not necessarily the greatest outfielder in the entire world, although he got unlucky, a throw hit Mike Zanino in his shoulder, an area that he seems to get hit in an awful lot. But his command was wretched. And it's worth pointing out that there were moments for Robbie Ray last year where he looked dominant but just couldn't avoid the big inning. Two multi-run innings in this one. This was a guy who had 18 to one Cy Young award odds, and it was the same as Luis Castillo based on one start. And yes, it is just one start. Those odds look pretty silly, uh, mainly because of how good Luis Castillo was on Thursday. And yeah. Ray was bad. He was bad. And I think this is something that you're going to have to keep an eye on when he faces a lineup that has guys who have patience at the plate, which Cleveland doesn't have a ton of, but does have some, or if you have a bunch of guys with good bat to ball skills that are not going to strike out a bunch, he's at risk for a blow up start. And those are the type of starts that can lose you a week. And fortunately, Ray only gave up the three earned runs. So it's probably not going to lose your week, but he really hurts you in whip this week. And he did not help you in innings pitched. And he didn't certainly didn't help you in ERA with 8.10, but man, this is something I Drop think him. you've got to follow. I'm, I'm not dropping Robbie, Ray, But I am saying, if you were expecting fireworks based on spring training, you have to be extremely disappointed with what you saw Friday night. Yeah. I mean, this can be part of the Robbie Ray experience. Yeah. You know, there many times in the past we were hoping and thinking and had evidence to point to that he's over these spells of where things can go awry real quickly, but it's just kind of part of his profile a little bit. You know yep. that when you're clicking his name on draft day, like there's there's going to be some crooked numbers in the game log, but would it shock you if he comes out and, and dominates next time out? Like, No. No. Okay. But, <laughs> but, so don't but I will, is what you're saying. I, I will just say this, though. Like if you're, if you're playing in uh, DFS stuff especially, like you've got to pay attention to who Ray's facing because the lineup is going to be extremely important. I think maybe as lineup dependent of a pitcher as that you have right now in 2023. So you stayed up later than I did last night being a, a West Coast boy. Uh, mm -hmm. Was there anything new on that Anthony Rendon video? And if people don't know what we're talking about, he got into a physical altercation with an A's fan after the the Angels opening night game there in Oakland, uh, the the fan called him the B word. He said, and he grabbed the guy by the collar. I guess, and I, it, it, it's a, it was a strange situation. You know, most times like players just, you know, they'll hear stuff from the fans and kind of just keep walking. Like you could see Otani in that video, just kind of like, what's going on here? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was strange. I also I I kind of side with Rendon because it's like you know, he's a human being, um, like, you know, just, and, and he's like, he's, he could, he could beat you in a fight, sir. You know, if yes. you wanted to, <laughs> like yeah, so like, you're a tough guy behind the railing, but I don't know. I, I, I do think there's, was there any word about like, maybe there's going to be some discipline. I would think maybe a fine, but that's about it. No, the only thing that's really come out is that major league baseball, it's, it says it's investigating it and that there's no video to show what led to the altercation yet. Uh, it's just interesting to see because and it's something to be keep an eye on and be cognizant of because, yeah, I kind of side with Rendon on this as well, because I don't like human beings confronting other human beings. And you're a person. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You, you want to defend yourself. And if you feel threatened, that stuff happens. Stop 
everybody stop being a-holes is what I'm trying to say mostly is like there's no excuse for Rendon necessarily grabbing dude and there's no excuse for what led to dude being grabbed but a suspension is coming there is no doubt in my mind that a suspension you is think going so? to come yeah I think so mm. if you grab a fan I think you're going to get suspended and yeah. it may only be a couple days it may only be one game and Rendon will assuredly appeal it there's no doubt in my mind about that because he'll, you know, claim justifiably so that I was defending myself. But he's going to get a one or two game suspension. So it's just something that you got to keep an eye on. But man, can we just be nice to each other? <laughs> There's no reason. Like I understand. And it's one of the reasons why sometimes like, Drew, I hate to say it. I don't blame stadiums for being like, we are cutting beer sales off in the fifth inning, or we are just going to limit the hell out of what we're selling to people. Because it sure seems like alcohol has a big play in all of this stuff. Of course, it would just well, be nice you know, if people were just nice to each other. Games are shorter now. It, it's hard yeah. to get to that blackout drunk stage in, in two hours and 30 minutes. I've done it before, <laughs> but you know it's a challenge. Uh, the, the Mariners game last on Thursday was two hours and 13 minutes. Man, you had to, like, by 8.30 p.m., you got to get to your beer before you have uh, your head at home. That's... Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not used to this. I have seen some fast Mariner games, mainly because I've seen Mariner offense be so awful for most of my life that a lot of games have gone pretty darn fast. But this is definitely different. Well, the Cardinals and Blue Jays combined for like, I think, 34 hits. And wow, I think the final score was nine to eight and it was under four hours. Like, wow. That there were a ton of pitching changes. There was an injury issue with Contreras. Um that game would have taken four and a half hours last sure. year. Um, Absolutely. So I, I'm into it. Um, and yeah, you, you just got to sneak in some hard liquor, some airplane, <laughs> airplane bottles. If you want to get to that stage with, within two hours, you know, the views described, that's my advice. The, the views expressed by Drew Silva do not necessarily represent Rota wire. Well, Bush stadium has a lot of all-inclusive areas and there's a cheaper one called the Powerade bridge out in right field. Mm. And it's as much beer as you want until like nice. the middle of the eighth inning. Um, and I did a beer per half inning with some buddies a few years back. Nice. I, that would put me, I would, I would be hung over for three days if I did that now, but um, <laughs> I can't even, I was real proud it. of myself that day. It was a Dexter Fowler bobblehead day and I didn't make it home with my bobblehead. If, if you can imagine. Not all heroes wear capes. That's right. Um, I wanted to look at some World Series odds before we get into some more fantasy-based experiments toward the end of the show. I, mm -hmm. I, I put up a screenshot of, of the DraftKings World Series odds. We got the Astros at plus 650, Yankees at plus 750, Braves plus 750, Dodgers plus 850, Padres plus 950, Mets plus 950, Blue Jays plus 1,200. I kind of like that one. Uh, mm -hmm. Cardinals plus sixteen hundred. I don't really like that one. Phillies <laughs> plus eighteen hundred. Uh, Rays plus nineteen hundred. Mariners plus nineteen hundred. Guardians plus twenty two hundred. And then we kind of get into some long shot or like middle of the road type plays. Anything like stick out to you with with these odds? We can talk philosophically or just like yeah. Um, zoom in on some teams. I will say I if, of those odds, the one that I probably like the best is Toronto at 12 to one. Uh, 
I am not a huge fan of betting on. I need really, really, really good odds if I'm going to make a bet like yes. this because there is just so much that can go wrong and so much that can go right for whoever's going to win the World Series. Like, I, when we, before Drew and I started talking, I was like, anybody like 60 to one realistically still has a chance to win the World Series. I kind of take that back a little bit, but like, the Angels at 45 to 1, even though, of course, they got Tungsten O'Doyled in the very first game. Shokdale Sani looks great. And of course, they don't win. Uh, but like Milwaukee at 35 to 1, if that rotation stays healthy. Texas at 45 to 1, if Seeger and Simeon are stars. And Jacob DeGrom, who did not look great, but looked okay uh, for the healthy. most part. He better healthy, than, which is good. He looked healthy, <laughs> which is important. And I think better than that line suggested. Like, I would want those kind of odds for those teams you were talking about at the top in order to make an actual World Series bet. Uh, I will say that for my birthday, my Uncle Gary got me the Mariners at 15 to 1 uh, for my birthday for 100 bucks. So if I win that, I'll, I'll finally have enough money to retire and just do a fun podcast instead of having to go to work. But it's just so hard for me to lay down a large amount of money for a 162 game season and then getting into let's be honest the postseason is a crapshoot there's there's certainly a benefit for the better teams and a huge benefit for the teams who have top of the rotation starters but anything can happen in a seven game series in baseball i think people forget like if you win a series in five in the alds right that's um a very close series, right? You're you're on the risk of going home. But if you sure. do that all year, you win 90 plus games. And that makes you one of the best teams in baseball. Like, or yeah. it, it comes a little different in a best of seven, but like, that's how baseball is. Like most teams are going to win a few and lose a few. There's a reason why we have that adage about 60 and 60. Everybody's going to win 60. Everybody's going to lose 60. That's actually not going to happen this year. There's a couple teams who aren't going to win 60 games in my personal opinion. But it's just the odds are not good enough for me to make that bet. So if you really are going to make a bet at this point of the year, I would be going with a long shot and hoping for a miracle. Yeah, I, I think these bets are totally designed for the squares or like your uncle who's maybe in Vegas and like, you know, wants to put a bet on his favorite team or his nephew's yeah. favorite team. You know, you know, right. it's yeah. It's totally de designed. I, I I like looking at divisional winner odds though because, like, I got the Blue Jays at plus two hundred to win the AL nice. East. I I re I really like that. And yeah, if if you're gonna like throw a dart at this kind of board, I agree you want to go with a long shot because I mean betting the Astros at plus six fifty, like I wouldn't even feel proud if I won that bet. It's just not enough money. <laughs> no, exactly, um, man. And that makes us sound but the a problem, little bit, yeah. I, I was just gonna say it makes us sound a little like greedy or whatever, but like the uh, no, it's true. Six and a half, six and a half to one at like fifty bucks or whatever. Yeah, it's great if you win it, but like I would want so much more money for getting the World Series winner right. But I think you're right too with like division stuff or individual stuff because the difference there is. Mm -hmm. Let's say I bet on Luis Castillo at 18 to 1 to win a Cy Young. And I maybe I did, and maybe I didn't. You can't prove it. I know that I am only in control of watching Luis control uh, Luis Castillo control his destiny. Only him. Mm. Whereas if I bet on the uh Toronto Blue Jays at 12 to 1, even, I need 26 players to go right. I need a bunch of stuff 
to go right. And a lot of it will be complete. All of it's out of my control, but all of a lot of the stuff that happens will be stuff that I cannot foresee. And so much can go right. And so much can go wrong. Whereas when with an individual award, it's just, I'm betting on this guy to do well or not do well. Yeah. And what I was going to say is though, like, I agree if you're going to bet a world series odds and you're not just doing it from the heart. Mm -hmm. The problem is like, I mean, how many teams on this board can actually win the world series? I think I would agree with you. I would, I would cut it off at like the Rangers. Yeah. Um, the Rangers and Angels both both at plus forty five hundred. I guess they could both technically win it if everything goes right. Sure. Um, but then you get into like the Giants. I would say no shot at plus six thousand. Red Sox. I'm going to say no shot plus six thousand. Orioles. You know who are an up and coming team, but they still got some holes. Plus seven thousand. Marlins. Cubs. Diamondbacks. I like the Diamondbacks, but not enough to bet them on, to win no. the World Series. Actually, I don't know. At plus eighteen thousand, I might throw five bucks at that. Yeah, um, there you but, go. Yeah, I mean, so so much would have mm. to come through for them to to even like sniff that. Um, and then you got like the Rockies and A's and the Nationals are all no plus shot. fifty thousand. Again, they, these bets are designed just for for square plays. But I I thought it was fun to to have a little philosophical discussion yeah. on on how Absolutely. to attack. We might we might have a little betting segment on on every one of these Saturday shows just, just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the weekend and we're trying to have fun. All right. Uh, we're going to get into this, to this fantasy experiment that I think could be interesting. Uh, but first baseball is back. Swing into the MLB season with vivid seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly and every heart pounding double play of your favorite team live and in person. Plus, with Vivid Seats Rewards, now you can earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward just by 10 tickets. Then simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. Pro Reward Tip. Buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. That's Vivid Seats. Experience it live. See VividSeats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right. I thought this might be a fun experiment that I'm totally stealing from Ryan Bloomfield of Baseball HQ. Shout out to the Bloom Boards. Those are always mm-hmm. valuable during draft season. All right. So between... He asked this on Twitter. You can follow Ryan on Twitter. So between 2015 to 2022, one player per year has put up first round value after being drafted in the 12th round or later in a 15 team league. So let me say that again. Between 2015 to 2022, one player per year has put up first round value from average draft position of 165 or higher. In 2015, Dallas Keuchel did it. In 2016, Jonathan VR. 2017, the the rise of Aaron Judge. 2018, Blake Snell. 2019, Cattell Marte. 2020, the COVID year, Luke Voigt led the led the league in home runs. 2021, Cedric Mullins. 2022 was Adolis Garcia and Julio Rodriguez, depending on when you drafted. Um, right. I think Garcia was more of like a second round value guy, but he was up there surprisingly. Uh, sure. There will almost certainly be another player to do it this year. History suggests a player from the mid to later rounds who brings first round, or we could even say second round level production. Do you have a name in mind for this, Chris? Well, I will say that you, when you put this out, you did steal my guy and we'll talk about him in a second, but I did come That's up with I a claimed. second. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think there might be one for a guy who plays for a really bad team. I, I wouldn't necessarily bet on it, but Joey Manessis is really interesting to me. Mm. This guy has really hit and he got off to a nice start. Certainly didn't hurt that he went two for five yesterday with an RBI, excuse me, on Thursday. Hit 324, 367, 563. And I was really impressed watching him in the World Baseball Classic, too. And look, Drew knows as well as anybody that. Sometimes I get in trouble with this stuff because I'm an eye test guy. Like, like I do love the metrics. I do love baseball savants as much as anything. But I watched Joey Manessa's hit, and dude can rake. I think he's going to put up excellent fantasy numbers. My one concern about him is I don't know if he's going to get a ton of RBI chances just playing in a dreadful, dreadful roster. They looked absolutely overmatched for the most part against uh, – Atlanta in that opener, but Manessa certainly did. CJ Abrams, sorry, have you seen CJ Abrams defense? It's oh my goodness gracious, that's really three errors already. Three errors in that very first game. That was a little bit hard to watch. I was sitting in a bar waiting to record on the radio. By the way, just before meeting Jerry Depoto, which was a lot of fun. Oh Um, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, if you look on my Twitter, you can see that I took a very nice picture. He's ridiculously handsome, by the way. Like I did not quite realize just how good looking of a man that guy is but back to joey manessas um i really like him i don't know if i i would probably go more towards like top 45 top 50 
But the fact that he was getting drafted in the 200s to me, I think was a mistake. There is a fairly large sample now to me that I know 222 at bats is not super large of him being a solid hitter. And it was never a question in the minors of whether or not Manessas could hit. It was where the hell you were going to play him defensively. Not really an issue for the 2023 Nationals. Who gives a crap if he's a bad defensive player for a team that's only going to win 55 to 65 games? Joy Manessas can hit. He may only be a four-category player, or actually a three-category player, because I don't think he's going to get a ton of steals. But it would not shock me if he hit 320 and had a ridiculous on-base percentage and a high slugging mark. I'm a big believer in Joey Manessis, man. Yeah, I mean, you consider all, all the rules changes and what that's going to do for a player that can hit like him for his batting average. There's, sure. I agree with you. He was a, and you know what? I didn't necessarily buy what he did last year. Um, it seems like every night he was going two for four, two for five down the stretch last season. Right. And, you know, he looked good in the World Baseball Classic, and he's, you know, he, it looks like he's going to carry it over. He's going to play every day in that Nationals lineup, and they've got to score some runs, right? Just yeah, like absolutely. They're going to happen. They're going to. It's going to happen into some RBI chances. For um, sure, you would hope. Yeah. So I, I was looking at the ADP chart on on RotoWire when I thought to include this in the show, and I realized how hard it is. That's why I, I claimed who I claimed. It's just, <laughs> it's not easy. I mean, yeah. I feel, I, I, I feel like it's going to be in the at the end. A big base stealer is going to do this. Like. Big base stealer, no pun intended, because the bases are are bigger. You get it, Chris? Yeah, it's funny. It's um, really good. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, the puns expressed <laughs> are not necessarily representative of Roto Wire. And there's the now stuff. that you have this love affair with Jerry Depoto, I feel like I'm I'm taking a back seat. That's fair. You're just not into it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I like people have kind of talked about a Whit Merrifield renaissance with the speed. Mm-hmm. He you know he's still got wheels. Um, that has some buzz, but I'm not buying top round production from, I don't know if he's going to play quite enough to get there. Um, and and that, yeah, Anthony Rendon. I mean, if he can stay healthy and go nuts behind Trout and Otani, (laughs) yeah, stop fighting with fans. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cody Bellinger, you know, maybe there's new life there in in Wrigleyville. Uh, but I'm going to go with some new blood in Rocky shortstop Ezekiel Tovar. And he had an average draft position in the, the 220 to 230 range this spring, selected more to like fill a middle middle infield roster spot in most most leagues or to be kind of a wish list player that maybe a stash on the bench and see if it works out. Probably not starting right now in most standard league rosters, but you have the course field effect. And, and Tovar does have the tools to maybe like flourish in that environment. Certainly seems to have a lock on the everyday shortstop gig. Like that's his job right now. Um, mm-hmm. And a, a consensus top 25 prospect coming into the 2023 season. He hit 319 with a 927 OPS, 14 homers, 15 doubles, three triples, 17 stolen bases in 71 games last year between double A Hartford and triple A Albuquerque. So you see like the full fantasy toolbox in that stat line and he's 21 years old doesn't turn 22 until this august room to grow good situation there in denver um there's not much of a major league sample size on him and i kind of wanted to to defer to you because you track prospects more diligently than i do is he good is he ready yeah this is just kind of a dart throw that's what this experiment is and you know maybe it's smarter to pick somebody who has hinted at big time fantasy production at the mlb level but you see the tools, you see this the situation. I, I feel like he could be really valuable if things go right. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we got to talk about the fact that he's the shortstop for the best team in baseball right now. They have the best record of baseball. They're the only 2-0 and team. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, probably not going to happen. Um, 60, but I do... Plus 60,000. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, a run differential of plus eight, best in baseball, to only 2-0 and team in baseball, Colorado Rockies. Beat the Padres twice. Yep. Beat, yep. beat the Padres yep. twice. Time for the Padres to go into rebuild mode. Um I like it. I, I like it a lot. I think he's got such good bat to ball skills that I think he has a chance to hit for a very high average there. The power is going to play better in course field than it would if he was playing literally anywhere else. And, it, you know, it was my one concern about him. He's a, a flat swing guy. It's more conducive to hitting line drives than it is for hitting for power. But I do think he's going to contribute in a bunch of places. It's not hard for me to see him being a top 50 player this year. Like that's, and again, we're we're shooting darts here with this category, yeah. but somebody's going to do it. Somebody is going to come out of nowhere and put up those type of numbers. And if you're going to bet on anybody, I think Tovar's is good as bet as anybody that you could make. All right. And since we're already into the season uh, and people are thinking about the waiver wire, how about a player who had an ADP above 250 or like even 300? somewhere in that kind of range who might be on waiver wires and, and could deliver top 100 value. This is maybe a little bit easier and a little more helpful to our listeners who are looking for ads or looking to make trades, you know, like guys that are more available mm -hmm. um, than the guys that we project to maybe have top round value. I I'm going to start, I'll go with Asturi Ruiz. Yeah. Um, who had a 273 ADP on Yahoo this spring, 276 in ESPN leagues, kind of getting up there near 300 maybe wasn't drafted in, in a lot of formats he's probably not available on many waiver wires at this point in more serious leagues so i don't know, call this a cop-out but i think he's a dude worth talking about with the the raw speed and the situation there in oakland the a's traded christian pache to the phillies just before opening day so center field is wide open Really, the whole A's team is wide open with jobs. Like to anybody that wants to emerge and take on an everyday role or a rotation spot or the closer gig. Uh, I mentioned I, I was watching that A's and, and Angels game on opening night, just kind of mm -hmm. chilling on the couch after all the chaos of the day with writing up roster moves on RotoWire and whatnot. Sure. And, um, it was the Angels feed, the Angels play by play go, play by play guy goes, entering the game right now is Oakland's highest paid player. And then a pause, Trevor May. <laughs> like, what a mess, man. And Ugh. those fans in Oakland don't deserve that nonsense. Oh. But, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's a good situation for somebody like Ruiz to capitalize on, certainly from a fantasy standpoint, if not in, in his own real-life career. Um, he's flashed incredible fantasy-relevant skills, batted 326 with a 932 OPS, in 57 plate appearances this spring in the Cactus League, six stolen bases and seven attempts in a very small frame of time. A couple homers, too, this spring. 17 RBIs. That must have led the Cactus League. I, I didn't pull up the <laughs> leaderboards. Up but yeah. Yeah. And in, in his minor league career, racked up 243 steals in 521 games. So almost a stolen base for you know every two games played in the minors. I know that there are a lot of these types of guys and you know, even better than I do who like flash incredible speed in the minors, but largely get exposed at the plate by major league pitching. Sure. You see it. You've seen it throughout the history of baseball, going back to the 1800s. Like there, this yes. happens. Um, but if Ruiz can just be kind of okay with the bat and there was a rise in power at double a and triple a, 
Um, but if he can just like survive with some hits here and there, I mean, the sky's the limit for his steals total. We talked about how people are running like wild already. If we see like a, a hundred base stealer this year, or even like an 80 base stealer, it's going to be a guy like Ruiz who's just on a bad team and just runs wild. So the one concern I have with Ruiz, and this is, you know, the eye test tells me that I like him. The metrics do not. He's had some of the worst of top 100 prospects exit velocity in minor league baseball. That is the one concern is he does not exactly square up the baseball, but he's starting to barrel the baseball more. So he's showing more power. The one thing about Ruiz is that I love is he's so flipping fast. This is 80 grade Mm -hmm. speed and he's going to get a chance to run. And most importantly, He's going to get the chance to play every day with Oakland. When you are a double A roster, you have a chance to have your young players play. There's no, boy, we need to, we're in contention here. We need to send Ruiz down because he's struggling right now. Like he has a chance to, if if even if he hits like 180 or 190, still provide fantasy relevance because every time he's on base, there's a very good chance he's going to run. Very, very good chance. Like, as long as he gets on 140 times, you can bet on 50 stolen bases. And 50 stolen bases is going to help you win your league. There are so few players that have that opportunity. Uh, someone in our chat, all by the way, says, how about James Outman with the Dodgers? That, I think, is an actually a really interesting Dude, one. Yeah. I know. I don't know why yeah. I didn't think of that. Well, and- they, the chat people are so much smarter than us, particularly you, but us. That it does not particularly mm-hmm. <laughs> surprise me. Yeah, I think that's a really good call because the Dodgers, and I talked about this a little bit ago, love Outman. The Dodgers are a big fan of his skill set. It's one of the reasons why they were willing to move on from some other guys and not promote some other folks. I think Outman's a really good call, and uh, I probably should have gone with him instead of who I'm going to go I with. Know. I know. Yeah. Let's start yeah. this over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rewind, rewind, rewind. Because, I mean – I, I feel like we should have seen this coming too when they signed Jason Hayward and they have David Peralta. Like it's a weird – and Chris Taylor's really plummeted. Like there's obvious opportunities in that outfield for, for this dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lit it up last year in the minors. Showed well in four-game sample size. It was like in July with the Dodgers when he got a quick call-up. Why not? Why can't yeah. he just take take it full advantage of this opportunity in a really good lineup? He could even kind of move up that lineup too. Yeah, um, a very very intriguing player in in a really good situation for for fantasy production. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it uh, would not shock me to fall. He's the guy. Congratulations, chat. You win the you win our podcast. You get to host the next week. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm kind of cheating because he actually, if you look, his average draft. If you average everything out. Is 248, but I'm going to go with Jared Kelnick. And look, I get that for two years, Jared Kelnick has been 10 pounds of you-know-what in a five-pound bag. But there is a reason why this guy was considered one of the very best prospects in baseball. And when I'm saying one of the very best, I'm talking about a two or three prospect in baseball. Some people even listing him one. There were people who liked this guy more than Julio Rodriguez. Not going to name names, but one of them was me. We regret the error. But he looked so good this spring, especially the swing looked so much crisper and so much more repeatable. Like that was the biggest issue with Kelnick from what I watched was you'd see a different swing every night. 
Certainly wasn't showing that, and I like that he's gotten off to a nice start this year. Drove the ball for an opposite field double yesterday, then had three strikeouts and three pretty bad strikeouts, if we're being completely honest with you. But their talent is here, man, and he's going to be hitting seventh, uh, which gives him a chance to drive in guys like Cal Raleigh and Eugenio Suarez, who, you know, flawed players, but good baseball players. And their Mariners are probably going to keep him in that role for a while. A chance to move up if he really gets off to a nice start. There's certainly no reason why he can't hit ahead of those guys or Ty France if he gets off to a great start. I've already stolen a base. Love to see that. Certainly a guy with enough speed to be relevant in that category. The talent's there. And he looked so good this spring. And he's off to a pretty nice start to the year. Very small sample. And I get your concerns, man. There are <laughs> there is a large sample now of being words that we're not allowed to say on this podcast. Like he has just been a really bad baseball player, except for defensively. He was really good defensively last year, especially. But I think it's coming. I really do think it's coming. And uh, I will say this next year when he stinks. All right, I'm going to put you on the, the spot here to close out the show. Since we yeah. listed four hitters there. We we got to each pick a pitcher, um, okay. And I have not prepped for this. So I don't need like big time analysis, but find a pitcher, pull up like an ADP chart. Rotowire has great ones. They they track who's who's rising and falling. I guess most draft season is over for most people, but there are still drafts going on. Mm-hmm. Um, give me someone who's above a pitcher who's above a starting pitcher. Let's not do relievers because we're okay. we did that already last week. Um, give me a starting pitcher who was drafted above two hundred, who you think could be. I don't know, a top 100 guy, like a top 25 pitcher. Let's let's say a top 25 starting pitcher. And we're looking Um, for somebody drafted after the 200 range that could do that. Yeah. Reed Detmer, Reed Detmer's is sticking out to me. He was shooting up draft boards by the end of the Yeah. Well, especially that velocity, man. And people, you know, are big fans of uh, that stuff. The one name that comes to mind uh, after you ask this incredibly difficult question at the very spur of the moment. Andres Munoz, I think he's going to get most of the save chances there. I think he has a chance. It does look that way, which is cool. Yeah. 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 But I will say this, like, no, that's a perfectly uh, good reason to interrupt is that like Paul Seawald's still going to get save chances there. They are going to save Andres Munoz for the most high leverage situation. And sometimes that'll frustrate fantasy managers because that could be in the seventh inning. That could be in the eighth inning. And enough of it can happen in the ninth inning that I think he could be a top 150 guy. Um, looking at a starting pitcher, that could be that. That's tough. Um, Patrick Sandoval. Said, it's a lot of guys that Sandoval, we've talked about throughout yeah, the spring. Um, Tyler uh, Malley. Tyler Malley, certainly. Um, I can't go Jack Flaherty. I'm sorry. I'm still pretty skeptical no, okay. about him staying healthy in that situation. I can't Tyler Anderson with a little more strikeouts. Yeah. Right. He's got to settle on one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I will go with Munoz because I do think he's going to get enough save chances and miss enough bats that even if he only gets say 20 saves, let's say he only even gets 15 saves. I still think he could have a chance to be a top 150 guy because he's going to strike out about 15 batters per nine innings. And that does give you a chance. And he's so hard to make hard contact off of because that slider is so good. And Oh, by the way, he throws 102 miles per hour. I do think he has a good chance and there's going to be just enough safe chances for me to make this prediction relatively not crappy. The guy who uh, threw out Outman just threw out Hunter Brown too. That's that, that huh? he could certainly do it. 
Sure. Um, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna go with Sandoval. I just I love the Arsenal. He's got so much swing and miss there. Um, if if the command is good, another thing you got to think about, like with Brown, I, I'd be worried about the workload. Like you need to throw 170 innings probably to get it, to be a top 25 fantasy starter, mm-hmm. unless you're Spencer Strider. Sure. Um, and I I don't see Brown getting to that level. Like that, Sandoval's that would be a guy concern. who has, has worked. Yeah. Sandoval's a guy who's worked his way up there. Detmers could do it. Um, maybe Michael Kopech could do it. I, I, I was just going to bring I'm up like, Kopech. Yeah. Hayden was Nesky with, with the Cubs, too. That's that was, kind of intriguing. That was the first name Immortal, I was going to do yeah. because I didn't want to do any research, if I'm being honest with you, Drew. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to have to to look up something. Um, Taiwan Walker, maybe, although I was concerned about some velocity dips there. Um, yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's a tough tougher one just because Eduardo um, Rodriguez. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean he looked good this spring. Mitch Keller, Mitch Keller has shown some flashes. Did not look great in his first start of the year. Um, I, I struggled be- to give up on him as a guy who has uh, shown really good stuff as a prospect. Um, Bruce Dar Gratterall, if he actually is the closer. By the way, interesting that AJ Puck got the save chance in that jesus lazardo game i'm uh, curious to see if that's going to be something that happens going forward there that's maybe just a scenario you just want to stay the hell away from though i think it's going to be a carousel but i like i mean it's it's worth tracking maybe they they settle it skip schumacher seems like a guy who would want like a locked in closer because i don't know he's sort of like an old school player but i I have no idea what his managerial style is going to be like so I'm, i'm just I'm just guessing. You know, who, on that. you know who looked good this spring and was drafted? Like, I think if we're looking here, it's like the average ADP was 442, but went a little higher in like underdog leagues. You say Kikuchi? Is this the year that you say Kikuchi finally has the breakout? It's never been a question about the stuff. It's about whether or not he can carry that stuff from start to start and throw command. But like a good chance to win games here with the Blue Jays with some. Stuff going on. He has a pretty good chance of sticking in that rotation. Of course, if Ricky Tiedemann is healthy Mitch and throwing White. well, yeah. Mitch White, yeah. But I do think you say Kikuchi is at least a little bit interesting here for that dart throw. Um, we can delete this podcast if uh, he if yeah, let's, he and let's Kelly end it on you say Kikuchi. Yeah, there we go. I Perfect. Think, I think people have left anyway after that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, that'll be it for us for our, our Saturday show. Thanks for tuning in to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Chris is at Crawford underscore MILB. We're still verified for now. Thank you, Elon. Um, stay tuned for more episodes throughout the week and throughout the weekend now, too. Peace out.